and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 17 of Jake's World. Today is Thursday, June 11th, and I said I wasn't going to go there, so I'm not going to go there too long. Just real quick, saw Gone with the Wind, was taken off of HBO Max yesterday, and I've never seen this movie, and I'm not defending the premise of the movie. I am defending the work of art it was for, you know, being 70, no, 80 years old. Came out in 1939. It's a cinematic masterpiece. It's like still regarded as a top 10 movie of all time. And it's like, it's it's a Dixie movie. Yeah, it's a period piece. Are we going to cancel Gladiator because of, like, you know, the ancient Roman fights? Because they're defensive? Yeah, slaves did that back then. But I'm not, whatever. I'm not trying to get into it. I'm just saying, same thing with these statues. It's funny to see all the heads popped off and, you know, then people just throwing giant rocks into the river. But, like, you can't get offended by everything. And just remember, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. There, that's all I'm doing about that. I missed this one on on Tuesday's show because I heard about it like the very next morning. But this one's a little political, but nothing nothing went today. But it stemmed from Twitter. Um, if you you know have a pulse and were born before two thousand, there is this band called Rage Against the Machine. Just think about the name of the band. Give you a second. Rage against the machine. The machine. The political machine. The man. The government. The feds. The cheese. I guess I'm like Rage Against the Machine fan. I wouldn't say super fan, but a big fan. Like called out Tom Morello, the bad lead singer on Twitter. The other day. I don't know if it was Monday or Tuesday. I heard about it on Tuesday. So, I mean, it could have been last week for all I know. There's something else I missed too, but that's at the end of the show. Um, The guy calls out the band's lead singer on Twitter. Now, if you've never heard of Rage Against the Machine, it's a very politically charged band in the lyrics, right? They're very leftist revolutionary thinkers and they express that in their music and they had you know this thing where you know just being active about it doesn't always work so let's do it in our music because music can reach all kinds of people and I don't think those ways but I like Rage Against the Machine I know a lot of people who do it's unique I mean try not to listen to the words that much but I mean it's catchy it's good music I like it and uh some guys like, I can't believe I've lived the last 30 years of my life knowing that's what all this stuff meant and I'm canceling Rage Against the Machine. I, and then, yeah, all that. I'll get into it. Like, bro, you're 50 years old and one of the album covers of the band, I think it was a self-titled band, or self, self-titled album, had... A picture of the guy in Vietnam who lit himself on fire in protest of the Vietnam War. A Vietnamese citizen did that in like 1967 or 1968. 
I really hope that's right. I'm not fact-checking it. But, like, what did you expect? Did you not hear the whole anti-fascist thing rally around the family? Pocket full of shells? Like, what did you think that meant, guy? Then you're going after the lead singer. Like, they're retired. Like, they don't... I mean, they might tour still, but, like, they're not writing more music. Their last album came out in, like, 2002. Do you think, like... What did what were you thinking all of those years? And then you finally come out and say, I, I'm canceling them. And it's really funny because, like, they're back on the Billboard 200 again. Because everyone heard this news story. And like, oh, I wonder who Rage Against the Machine is. And then you just hear, wow, 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 wow. So cool. <sighs> everyone listening is probably like, Jake, I don't know who Rage Against the Machine is. You're an idiot. Stop talking about it. But. I don't know, it's just like, I feel like you listen to music, and if you like the music, you know what they're saying, you like look into them as people, and like they've been politicized their whole music career, and they're very outspoken about it, and I just, I don't know, I found that news story rather baffling, but it's what it is, I guess, so, listening, that's your homework for tonight, listen to Rage Against the Machine. And, you know, actually, this show is pretty loaded. Next story is Reggie Bush is back. He's back, baby. He's back. You would not be surprised to hear me say that Reggie Bush Bush is one of the most electric running backs ever play the game. All-purpose guy. Kind of a Pac-12 type running back now. I mean, that's kind of what... Running backs are known for, like, look at Christian McCaffrey. Same style of play, except Reggie Bush was probably just as electric, not better, right? Well, I mean, 2010, the NCAA, you know, concluded in, in an investigation into USC, University of Southern California, that Reggie Bush, along with several other athletes at the school, received benefits that were not supposed to be handed out, similar to the policy that was, you know, NCAA standard for the longest time. Pete Carroll was the coach. I mean, it's a pretty successful NFL coach who kind of knew who knows what went on in, you know, in that locker room at that, at that school. And... NCAA gave Reggie Bush and a few other players a 10-year suspension from the NCAA. So, I mean, yeah, he graduated. Or he didn't graduate. He vacated his year. He declared he declared he was ready for the draft, and he forewent his final season, his senior year. And, I mean, he didn't finish school. Maybe he did graduate. I'm not sure. But the school suspended him, and the NCAA suspended him for 10 years. And USC is welcoming welcoming him back. Jesus, you can't talk today. Ten years, Reggie Bush is being welcomed back with open arms at USC. And it's good to see because Reggie Bush was one of the most electric running backs to ever play the game. Because of his versatility, his all-purpose style. I mean, he returned punts and kicks. He could run the ball. He could play wide receiver. Or he got touches out of the backfield that weren't just a handoff. And that's kind of what our game of football is going to now. And it's really nice to see. Now, I'm a firm believer that game of football, especially the NFL football, kind of goes in cycles, right? 
look at quarterback play. For the longest time, to be a contending football team, you needed a guy who was a premier pocket passer, right? Tom Brady. Tom Brady can't fucking move. He's not mobile. Ben Roethlisberger. Peyton Manning. Philip Rivers. I mean, he never won a Super Bowl, but set style play. Carson Palmer. Kurt Warner. Guys like that. They could move a little bit, of course, but I mean, it's not like Lamar Jackson or Pat Holmes or Aaron Rodgers or Cam Newton or any other of those guys that could play that style of quarterback. The mobility. It just wasn't there. Now you see guys in the league today or teams like that in the league today with those type of quarterbacks that are struggling. Sam Darnold can move a little bit, but the way he plays, he's pretty firm in the pocket. Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, oh, and a mobile guy, Russell Wilson, probably one of the best mobile guys. I mean, Eli Manning was still playing for a while. Until, you know, last season or this season, technically. I don't know. Um, yeah. Tannehill, even. I don't think he's even mobile. I mean, what do I know, though? I don't watch the Titans. How do you watch the Titans? But it seems like the game goes in cycles. And the same is true for running backs. Adrian Peterson was one of the last running backs that you just gave the ball to 25 times a game. And he ran straight forward. Right? Derrick Henry is a guy who can still do that. Every team has a guy that does that, but they're not the most successful teams most of the time. I think the Titans are a fluke because Derrick Henry is so untackable. Untackle? Untackle? Ubble? Is that a word? I don't know. How the, how, the, how the hell do you bring down a guy that's 6'4", like 260? How do you tackle or two, 6'4", 240? How do you tackle a guy like that? Full head of steam. He's the guy in the picture... Next to Mark Ingram at Alabama. Just, oh my God. Like, that's him. How do you tackle a guy like that? Look at the running backs now. He's an exception. Le'Veon Bell. Aaron Jones. David Johnson until this past season. Saquon Barkley. All those guys catch passes. out. Christian McCaffrey. All those guys catch passes out of the backfield. And they can run up the nose. There's a versatility there. And Reggie Bush was one of the first guys out of college to be able to play like that, that I remember. I'm not going to speak for, you know, before my time because I didn't remember. I don't, I barely remember watching Reggie Bush play. I was like seven or eight years old. Pac-12 is on at nine o'clock. I'm in bed. That's what I mean, though. It's, it seems like he's a pioneer for this style of football. Even though he played, he retired technically three years ago. But I mean, he wasn't the same player, you know, since 2012. I think or 2011 or 2012 was the last time he rushed for a thousand yards. He only did that twice in his career. But a guy like him doesn't have to, because look at all the things he can do. He even returned kicks. Like Devin Hester returned kicks. Most running backs don't do that. They're not fast enough. They're not. I wouldn't say they're not fast enough. They're not shifty enough. Wide receivers and. Defensive back style players are the ones that return kicks and punts. He was one of the first guys to do it. And his, I wouldn't say limited success because when he, he was on the Saints, he was hugely successful. He fit into a great offense, you know, one that went to the Super Bowl, you know, one that had prolonged success. 
I mean, the Saints are still winners. And they've only had a couple of losing seasons in between there. But he kind of became a journeyman at the end of his career. But, I mean, he had a bad knee. He hurt his knee. Never really recovered from that. But, I mean, you don't need the numbers. He, a thousand carries, a thousand something carries, 5,500 yards. It's a good career. I mean, 12 years for a running back? That's special. Like, what more can you ask for if you're a pro like that? I mean, that's really, that's really all you can do. Because, I mean, was the average running back play six, seven, eight seasons? And the contact you get every game, every game, it's like that. And it's a miracle. Like, guys like, Jesus, Jerome Bettis, fucking bus. Um, Emmett Smith, how do guys play that long? Frank Gore, he's he's like, Frank Gore is actually like the last guy who's semi, semi-versatile. I mean, he'll catch an emergency pass in the flats, but he if he gets 20 touches, 19 of them are straight up the middle. How I don't know how he's little. That helps. It's hard to tackle him because he's so compact. I'm not gonna say he's small because he's not. He's a fucking truck. But like, how do, he he's played like 15 seasons. Adrian Peterson, same thing, and he's been hurt. Like I remember when AP tore his ACL. Like that must have been fuck almost 10 years ago now. I think Brett Favre was was still on the team. Or it was around that time. He tore his ACL on Christmas Day or Christmas evening. He was back for regular season. A nine-month complete ACL recovery. That's absurd. Like He's a freak. But it's nice to see Reggie Bush back because, I mean, I don't want to get totally into the compensation argument again just because I've talked about it already with Zion Williamson, but... I feel like that's even a different example. And I feel like you can apply this sort of logic or this school of thought to just about anything, really. Does some of the bad things you do, do those bad things take away from like what you've accomplished? I mean, it's not like Reggie Bush was sticking a needle up his bum and going to play. He wasn't doing that. He wasn't doing Brian Bosworth shit and you know hurting himself physically just to you know, get famous like that. He was he got a little benefit. Yeah, I, a lot of college players do. And coach Mike Chishesky is probably the guiltiest of them all, and he's very good at covering it up. You notice how Duke never gets in trouble for any of this. Zion was probably the first one, but. He was incredible in college. One season he had 2,700 all-purpose yards. That's absurd. What? I mean, I back then, but Pac-12 was shit. Not was the shit. Now it's just shit. But that was premier football on the West Coast back then. 2,700 yards in one season? As a two-time All-American... He had to give up his Heisman in 2010, which was really unfortunate because I read some article online that said, like, it's kind of a secret where it is now. Like, nobody really knows, and Reggie Bush may or may not have it. It's kind of a hush-hush thing. He had to give that back five years later, and then then they didn't award it to anyone else. But then again, it's like a coulda, shoulda, woulda thing. I mean... 
I feel like with an award like that, there's usually finalists. I mean, Heisman has three or four finalists every year. They know who's second. You could just pass it on. But I guess, then again, maybe they didn't earn that either. So, But just look at the career highlights. Saints Hall of Fame inductee, 2019. Super Bowl champ. Super Bowl 44? Roman numerals guy? Yeah. He's on the NFL All-Rookie Team, 2006. First Team All-Pro, 2008. Two-time Associated Press National Champion in college, 2003-2004. Doak Walker Award. Walter Camp Award. AP Player of the Year. Sporting News Player of the Year. Heisman Trophy. Vacated. Two-time Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year. Two-time Consensus All-American. The lengthy list. I can tell you I didn't do that pitching at Edgewood College. <laughs> but, I don't know. It's just nice to see, like, he was really happy, you know, that this suspension was over. And, you know, it was nice to see that, I mean, USC kind of got caught in all this, caught up in all this, but the school welcomed him back. Sometimes the schools just disown player. Or it's more often with a coach, you know, like a coach disgraces themselves, like, Rick Pitino or um and he you look at what happened at Penn State all those years or a couple of years ago at Sandusky and Joe Paterno. Like Joe Paterno's a legend of college football. And when something like that comes up, like Joe didn't Joe Pa didn't do anything, but how do you like he knew that or he had an idea that was going on and didn't say a word. How do you not disown that whole thing like how do you just wash your hands I, I want nothing to do with that and I feel like some maybe I'm wrong about this but sometimes I feel like the players get caught up in that too just because it's always another scandal we, we want nothing to do with this but maybe just because Reggie Bush was one of the earlier ones it was nice to see him kind of be welcomed back and I can speak from this to this from personal experience like playing college sports is a huge part of your life it doesn't matter where like the people you, especially the people you play on a team with, the best friends for the rest of your life. Fuck high school friends. You don't talk to them. I haven't talked to most of my high school friends in a long time. I work with one, but I mean, I just say, hey, meh. That's it. You don't keep up with those people anymore. And like your teammates, and it's, it's even the same thing in high school sports. Your guys are around each other so much. Then you live in the same dorm freshman year. You practice all the time you go out and do things all the time you play games all the time you talk all the time you do that for four or five years at you know not your awkward phase of life like you're an adult like those are your friends for the rest of your life and it it's really cool to see like just a good story come out of all that and yeah i mean also, one of the best college college football players, yet alone athletes, I've ever watched play. I've seen highlights of. So, it's a good story. Now, to wrap up today's show. Oh, two more things. Two more things. So, it shouldn't be too long. But then again, every time I say it shouldn't be too long, I end up talking for like, you know, six years. But, anyways. I planned on talking about this one last Thursday evening for Friday. But, um... You know, with me forgetting Charger, <laughs> didn't get to that, and kind of forgot about it over the weekend. Got a little too ripped up last weekend. Too many zappers. But um, 
Dan Bilzerian has got to be one of the most polarizing people I've ever seen, right? He's known for that lavish lifestyle. I mean, I you have to know who Dan Bilzerian is if you're under 25. If you don't, oh my God, what what's your deal, Dorn? Like, what the hell is your deal if you don't know have any idea who this guy is? Like, I've, I was aware of him, and I, I knew he was kind of one of those guys who had, like, fuck, fuck you money for nothing. He kind of inherited it all. He's a trust fund baby. But he lives his life so lavishly and ridiculously. Like, he had two heart attacks by the time he was 32 just from all the partying he did, right? But anyways, he made news, or he went viral on Twitter and Instagram because... He wrote an autobiography, and he was offering $5,000 to whoever picked the best title, <laughs> and the comments were absurd. They were awesome. Like, I saw one, like, uh, hang on, I gotta look it up. I don't know why I said, hang on, I'm going to look it up. You know, I just have the power to hit stop. But, uh, yes, I am reading the thread right now. On um, 6-8. Oh, I guess I didn't miss it that bad. I was going to talk about Dan Blazarian writing a biography last week. But Monday, is it, yeah, Monday was the 8th. At 3.35 in the morning. He says, finished writing my autobiography, 5,000 of the best book title in the comments. And <laughs> I'm just going to read some of these, and then I'm going to definitely read the best one I had. Aces and Asses. Dan Bozarian, Nunce Upon a Time. I don't know who the fuck Dan Bozarian is, but I want $5,000. How guns make my pee-pee feel bitter. <laughs> Let me repeat that. How guns make my pee-pee feel bigger. Um, Dan Bazarian is a very avid Second Amendment person. And he has guns all over his house and loves shooting rocket launchers and blowing things up. I don't know how he gets all of this shit, but he does. Probably because he's an Armenian citizen as well as an American one. But whatever. Um, would have been... An almost sealed biography. Oh, that's mean. I mean, you guys going to chirp Dan Bazarian for not making it through Navy SEAL school or Navy SEAL training? It's the hardest training in the world. Like, I wouldn't wish Bud's basic underwater demolition. That's what SEAL training is. I would not wish that upon my worst fucking enemy. Dan Bilzerian, how to compensate for a small peen. Dan Bilzerian, the best example of living the American dream. Now, I like that one, and this is where I'm going to spin this story very soon. Bizarre Dan. That one sucks. Dan Bilzerian, the empty shell behind the facade. Hey, don't make fun of shallow people. I'm shallow, too. This is fantastic radio. Um, What else is there? Let me keep looking. I'll find a few more. How to buy friends and influence in the downfall of Western civilization. Dan Bilzerian, living life the chimp way, at Joe Rogan. <laughs> oh my god. Dan Bilzerian, Navy SEAL, the playboy of the century. 
Oh, man. Almost the seal who shot Bin Laden. The incredible self-absorbed story of the fakest man on the planet and his hired harem of 21-year-old models. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. But I thought the best one was, and I threw this one as a retweet, was I don't know who this Abe guy is. He has 510 followers, and, like, his avatar is some guy with a sideways hat on glasses smoking a joint it's photoshopped as well but um it says blowing an inheritance through an eternal midlife crisis fueled by feelings of inadequacy dan bilzerian's guide to still being only five foot nine. <laughs> oh my god dan bilzerian is the most ridiculous human i've ever met or seen he is five foot nine he's jacked he probably does all kinds of supplements and steroids he drowns in pussy. Um, he's got the a ridiculously manicured beard. Like his neck is so little, then his beard is huge and like it's always trim. It's weird. Um, fuck, what else is he gonna say? He's like an avid gun owner. He doesn't. I don't think he, he might hunt. I don't know. I'm not gonna assume, but he has guns everywhere. Like I had to do a little bit of reading. Because, like, I knew who Dan Bilzerian was. I knew he was this ridiculous person. But I didn't know, like, him. And, like, I read his Wikipedia page. There's really not much there. And I had to do some other, you know, investigative Big J journalism to find out what he was really into. Because, I mean, I didn't follow him on Instagram or Twitter. I just, I don't know. He's an influencer. I'm not into that. But I am now. And I'll get to that. But... Imagine you live in a fucking mansion. I like riffraff too. Jody High Roller, the Coding Castle. Imagine you had one of those, like a 30-room mansion, right? And you pull up, his butler lets you in, and he's got like AK-47s everywhere on the table, on the counter. Fuck, in the refrigerator. He's got guns everywhere. And they're just sitting there, and they're loaded and ready to go. Why? Because he can. I don't know. His father, like, uh, he was a finance guy. I don't know if he was an investment banker or a stockbroker. I don't know exactly what he did financially, but um, he got into some trouble. He had to, like, leave the country, I think. I think, I don't know, he's from Armenia. Armenia is in the Middle East, Southern Caucasus region map by Russia and Iran in between there but I'm not sure exactly to what extent I think it was a fraud thing I think he defrauded investors and he got away with all the money he basically got off scot-free so that's why Dan Bilzerian is like a multi-millionaire for never doing anything in his life I could see why people hate him because you know he's never had to do anything meaningful ever he was born with silver spoon right like born into wealth a trust fund and he has all this money and he goes around and lives the life that you wish you could live that's the point i'm getting at all those comments i just read to you aren't because of you know pure hatred or annoying annoyingness or you know annoyance and um you know detestability is that's a word i'm just making up words i'm such a big j journal but uh 
all these people that you know are making fun of his manlyhood and his feelings of inadequacy and his small wrench are jealous. They're so fucking jealous. And it's so clear I could read it from a mile away. I don't hate Dan Bilzerian. I wish I could be that. But I'm honest. And anyone who says I don't want to live like that is a fucking fool. Guys, I'm speaking about guys here. Women probably can't relate as well because they're different that way. Guys would love to go around, drink insane amounts of booze, do blow until their nose fell off, smoked weed until they couldn't anymore, bang hot chicks all day, Any anyone you wanted, you pick because you have the money to, because like good Charlotte said, girls don't like boys, girls like cars and money. You wish you didn't have to sit at a desk all day and go home to your shitty fucking house with your shitty fucking wife and your shitty fucking kids and do that five days a week. And then on the weekends, you mow your grass, you have a few beers, you watch your game, you watch the game, and then Sunday, you might go to church, you might not. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. If that's what you do, that's what you do. And then... That's it. Then you get the scaries and it repeats all over again. Just because you're not Dan Bilzerian doesn't mean you should fucking hate him. His He's living life to the fullest. Even if you like your job, you wish you were him. Don't lie. Don't hate the player, man. Hate the game. Don't you wish you could do those things? Yeah. So work for it. It's anything's possible. That's what's so beautiful about capitalism. And I know we're living in a weird time where people are starting to question that, but it's the best system in the world because in socialism, you can't do those things because your neighbor will let you down and everyone else will let you down. Everyone lets you down because there's no reason to work hard because everyone lets them down. It's a society of mediocrity. Yeah, you might have your your necessities paid for, but that's it. Dan Bilzerian is living the American dream. He's doing whatever he wants. And it doesn't matter that he had to work for it. Sometimes that's just how it goes. His whole life's built on a lie because his father didn't earn it. But maybe his father did. I'm just saying, don't hate the player. Hate the game. You wish you could do those things. I wish I could do those things. Right now I can't. Maybe one day I can. Maybe one day I can't. Don't get mad, get even, baby. I'm going to read that book, too. More to come on that. Last segment, section, segment. It's not really a segment. It's more of a recommendation for what I'm going to do next week. Been thinking a lot. I want to make this show about anything I want it to be, right? And I think I did a pretty damn good job of doing that today. Talked about a variety of things. Now... I'm going to start Sawatsky's Movie Club. You've heard of Andrew Luck's book club, right? Well, I'm not reading a book on a podcast. I'm going to talk about a movie on a podcast. Every Friday, uh, at the end of every Friday show, I'm going to pick a movie that I'm going to talk about briefly the next week. 
I'm going to do this every week until whatever. Now, I'm going to open this, not this first one, but the second one. I'm going to open it up to you guys. If there's a movie you want me to talk about, hit me up. Let me know. If I can watch it, I'll talk about it. If I can't, I'm going to have to just not pick it. But you're not going to know that. I'm going to know that. So, I'm taking recommendations for next Friday. But this week's movie, of course, if you know me, it's my favorite movie ever. Pulp Fiction. You need to watch it. It's incredible. It's a neo-noir, cult classic, indie masterpiece. It's Quentin Tarantino's second and best film. You need to watch it. Give it a chance. I'm going to talk about it you know, for a few minutes at the end of next Friday's show. And that's all I got for you. Really enjoyed doing this one today. I loved my Dan Blazarian rant. And, you know, anytime I have the opportunity to talk about Pulp Fiction at all, makes me very very happy it's my all-time favorite movie so that concludes today's show per usual per usual rate review subscribe you gotta do it gotta do it gotta tell everyone you know it's the only way i'm gonna get this ball rolling without me shoving this down everyone's throats so hey got a podcast recommendation yeah listen to this dumb tool i'm kind of funny sometimes I'm self-deprecating, and I'll talk about anything. So, give them a try. Um, social media, Jake Swinsky 8 at J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I-8. All social media, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. That's all I got for you today. Have a good weekend. You know what tomorrow is? Friday. No pussy seltzers on Friday. I like seltzers. On a boat or on the beach, and certainly not on Friday. No liquor Fridays, Friday beers only. Commence suck down. Have a good week. Yeah. Check